Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hello, believers, non-believers, and everyone in between. You're listening to Stories with Sapphire. I am Sapphire Sandalo. Now get cozy and open your mind because it's story time. Stories with Sapphire is still on a brief hiatus until the next season, and as I'm writing this script, so much has happened in the last few weeks. I've been on a very intense spiritual awakening of my own, and making this podcast has provided me with a network of support so that this journey is easier to navigate. Today, I wanted to revisit some stories from past episodes and follow them up with new stories and insight I've received from recent life-changing experiences. Chapter 1. Divine Messages in Our Dreams The following story originally aired in Season 1, Episode 3. But with my mom's, the one that I shared with her was like, So significant that, like, as soon as I woke up, I, like, felt the need to, like, text her and be like, hey, like, this happened, and I don't know what it means. Like, I don't know. I just felt like texting you about it. This is Genesis. In the fall of 2017, she had an extremely vivid dream. Like, I just remember feeling very, like, closed off. She then proceeded to walk up to this house with large windows in the woods. The full moon was shining brightly in the night sky. Then she sees her mom and her two sisters, all wearing long white nightgowns. Her sisters are both older than her, but in the stream, they looked like they did when they were little girls. Her mother also appeared about 20 years younger. But Genesis was her real age. You know how you're kind of self-aware sometimes in dreams? And I felt like I was like my age at that time. She saw her mother and sisters walking towards the house, and Genesis was trying to call out to them. You guys shouldn't go in there. Like, what are you guys doing? But they couldn't hear me. So they enter the house, and Genesis follows them. Her mother and sister are all floating through the house and up the stairs. Genesis keeps trying to convince them to leave. I felt like this urgency, like I needed to like say, like, I don't know what it was. It was just like, I need you guys to like come back to me. Her sisters then began to play fight with each other and they floated back down towards the first floor. They came upon a door to a basement and they went inside. So Genesis and her mother followed. In the basement, they found a giant python with horns. Have you ever seen like those tattoos where they have like the snake like pieced up in like different parts? That's how it was, but it was like all slithering like in one movement. And it was like a part of like the floor, like the floor was like stone and gravelly and it was like moving like across it. Genesis continued to call out to her family, trying to get them to get out of the basement. Then some unseen force pulled them towards the snake. 
That's when Genesis opened the window, yes, there's a window in this basement, and pushed all of them out, where they floated away to safety. But when she turned around, the python was coming towards her. She held her hand out, and then a giant lion with wings appeared. And it, like, lit up, like, the whole landscape, like, of my dream. Like, everything just, like, lit up. The winged lion destroyed the snake. It felt like it was, like, a guardian of some sort or something like that. And then, like, that was it. On its own, this is just a vivid dream filled with very strong symbolism. But it felt significant to Genesis. She decided to text her mom about what happened. She, like, texted me, like, almost immediately. And she was like, whoa, like, I had that same dream where, like, I had... And she proceeded to describe everything exactly as Genesis had dreamed. And in her dream... Her sisters were also younger than they currently were, and Genesis was a toddler. Her mother also recalled that she could never directly see Genesis. She only knew that she was there out of the corner of her eye, and she couldn't hear anything that she was saying to them. I was like, this is so crazy. (laughs) I also spoke with Genesis's mom, Grace, to get her thoughts on this experience. The following week, I was supposed to go and see this lady. She's known for um, blessing others, and people go to her. It's uh, it's like a prayer group. And her, my friend, who is her niece, had suggested to me, oh, why don't you bring it up to my aunt's um, attention as to what does that dream mean? And I said, okay. And then that week when I was supposed to see her, my daughter calls me and tells me she had a dream. In that dream, I was like walking in down a street and I saw grandma. It was a street, it had a parade, like there was floats and stuff. It was like by a beach, like everything was like light in that dream. And then I saw grandma like waving me in. She was like, hey, like come here. Like I haven't seen you in a while. And I was like, oh, okay. And I was like, sure, grandma. And then I went in. And when I went into the house, there was like Lola Boyai. And then, then there was a man that I had never really seen before. And I figured it was her husband that I've never met before. And so I was like, wow, like I don't remember seeing, maybe I saw pictures of him when I was like little. So like I could have, you know, just dreamt it like that. But like he was there, he was sitting, he was just like eating soup. He was just like watching and like said hi and stuff. And I was just like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, she made like some bow and stuff. <laughs> it was really nice. She was like cooking me food and stuff. And she was like, oh, I just want to make sure that you're okay. Like I was hoping that, like, you know, we could talk a little, like, I just miss you a lot, and, like, she gave me a big hug, and I remember just feeling, like, super warm, and then when we woke up from that dream, I was, like, glowing, like, I felt like, oh, it was, like, really nice, like, you know, so I told my mom about it, and then she was, like, oh, like, I went to go see, like, the healer. So when I went to see the lady uh, for the prayer group, I mentioned to her before she did her blessings about my dream, and then she was looking at me and asked me, is your mom still alive? And I said, yes. And she goes, is your grandmother still alive? And I said, no. And I said, why? And she said, because I see a lady with white hair standing behind you. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> and she said, okay, well, well, I'll let you know more after we've done the blessings. So when it was time for her to bless me, after the blessing, she told me it was my grandmother and that she was the one that was trying to reach us through our dreams. And it was because she was worried and concerned about my daughter who is studying 
in another state back east. And then um, I remember when I came home, I was looking through the pictures and I came across a picture of my grandmother and then holding my daughter and my other daughters. And yes, they were at that same age that we saw in our dream, my daughter and I. So I, I figured that was my grandmother's last recollection of us. And so that's how they appeared in the dream because that was her memory of how old the, my daughters were at the time when we were visiting her before she passed away. There are countless cases of people having shared dreams. It's common with twins and close family relatives, and there's even been instances where total strangers recognize each other on the street because they saw them in their dream. But this is not something that can be measured or tested scientifically, only shared anecdotally. So there isn't a lot of research as to why or how this happens. Dreams are endlessly fascinating. They are capable of being more than just our unconscious minds playing out images in our heads. They can be messages. Sometimes they're messages from ourselves. And other times, they're messages from those who are still looking after us long after they've left this plane. Those things just happen like one right after the other. So that was that dream and then the dream that my mom and I had together. And like during that time, I was like super depressed, like during like law school because I was, it was crazy. And so like it was just, I don't know, like it was very like poignant for me. Like the feelings it conjured was like super deep. And so like, when I was just like talking to my mom about it, it was like really therapeutic. But like I just, I never understood like why like that happened or like how happen you know but it just felt like almost like natural I guess like I don't know like, I never felt scared but like oh my god like I can't believe that happened or whatever like oh no like she's gonna haunt me or something like it was just like it just seemed like oh yeah like they're just checking in on each other so next time you dream pay attention someone might be trying to reach you to see how you're doing I love this story. It's a wonderful example of how dreams can positively impact our lives. And I was reminded of this story because of a recent dream I had. In the dream, the world was ending. Everyone was quickly clamoring onto giant spaceships so we could travel to a new planet before the Earth exploded. I was looking out at the horizon through the spaceship's window when all the passengers realized... We were too late. A massive, spherical blast of yellow and orange erupted miles in front of us, a ring of smoke and destruction expanding and moving closer to us. There was nothing we could do. I began to panic. This is it. I'm going to die. I, I can't believe this is happening. Then I felt a slap on my left arm. I looked over, and my sister was there with furrowed brows, she looked me in the eyes and said, You are only punishing yourself. And with those five words, I understood what she was trying to tell me. These are my last moments alive. Am I going to spend them panicking? Or am I going to enjoy myself? And as the smoke and fire filled the window, I took a deep breath and closed my eyes. I felt the ship shake 
begin to sink. I could no longer hear the screaming of the other passengers. Everything fell completely silent. I felt like I was being separated from my body. This is it. This is death, I thought to myself. And then I woke up. I think about that dream every single day. When I find myself worrying about something I truly do not have any control over, I stop myself and think, why am I punishing myself? Maybe this dream was just my brain helping me work through my stress. Or perhaps it was a divine message, who's to say? But I can say that this dream changed my life. Before I became a podcaster and paranormal investigator, I used to be a full-time animator and character designer, and podcasts kept me company while I drew, especially paranormal podcasts. One of my favorites was Jim Harold's Campfire. I would actually be shocked if you hadn't heard of it because it's one of the OGs. In fact, it recently celebrated its 13th anniversary. But if you haven't heard of it, it's a call-in show where ordinary people share their extraordinary stories with Jim every week. The story topics range from ghosts, UFOs, cryptids, and stories that can't be categorized. You're listening to my show right now, so I know that you love non-fictional paranormal stories. Stories involving the serial killer Ted Bundy, or a man who owned a haunted hotel. And also heartwarming stories of deceased loved ones coming back to say hello. Jim Harold's Campfire was a huge inspiration for me. So do me a personal favor and tune in to Jim Harold's Campfire on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to Stories with Sapphire. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Chapter 2. I Don't Want to See Her The following story originally aired in Season 1, Episode 9. Well, I grew up on ghost stories, so it's always kind of been on my radar. This is Ying from Berkeley, California. She produces paranormal investigation documentaries. They, you know, we were taking a video production class, and they said, you know, it was about October when we had to make our proposals. So I thought, why don't we start make a video and follow some local paranormal investigators and see what happens. And it turned out so well that we've just continued since then. So the whole philosophy behind our documentary series was we're just filmmakers. We're not going to, you know, promote ourselves as ghost hunters. We're not the ghost hunters. We're documenting them. And we did not expect to be in front of the camera, but then things started to happen to us, the crew. The following is what Ying considers her most profound paranormal story. Buckle up, because it is a wild ride. And that actually um, is in our video series, and it's called The Haunted Bay, because it's based in the Bay Area. And so I went to a theater called the Great Star Theater in Chinatown, San Francisco, 
And I was not going there to film anything. I was going there to usher for a show because my friend was in a musical. And um, I went there, you know, in the afternoon, went down to the women's bathroom. And I had this weird feeling come over me that there was a female spirit in the bathroom with me. And I just had the strangest feeling that she was sitting in front of this vanity mirror. You know you know how those old-fashioned vanities are? There's like a table with a mirror and a chair. felt weirdly drawn to that. And I sat down, put my purse on the table, and just stared at myself in the mirror, which I don't usually do. And it was, it was weird. <laughs> so I just kind of sat there and stared at myself. And I had an image that it was an Asian woman with long hair. And so, which sounds pretty cliche, but that's what I saw in my head. Not with my eyes, but in my head. So I went upstairs, and I talked to the bartender, and I asked her, you know, I did not tell her what I saw in my head specifically. I just asked her, do you have ghost stories in this theater? And she said, yeah, my friend was here yesterday, and she came up from the bathroom and said there's a female ghost down in the bathroom. So I asked if we could set up a paranormal investigation, and, um, yeah, and so I talked to the manager. He's not there anymore, and theater's closed now, but when he was there, he said, yes. So I went home, you know, started, you know, uh, coordinating things, and at home, I started to get more images in my head. And I saw her in, like, almost grainy black and white film in my head. She was an Asian woman. She was tall, with long hair, wearing a white gown, that she had gone mad. And I had a feeling that something horrible had happened to her. She um, was probably raped, and that maybe she was trafficked, and that I had a feeling that suicide may have been what caused her death. It was mostly just feelings and images of her being gone, going mad, basically. I set up first the Alameda Paranormal Researchers um, to come into the theater, and I made sure not to tell them what I had felt or seen in my head. And so we get there, and um, at one point, one of the investigators is on the stage, and me and someone else are in the in the in the backstage area, and we hear him kind of say, "Oh shit." And so we run towards the front of the stage and we ask him what? And he said, I just saw like this this woman just float across the doorway because there's a lobby area between the auditorium. Um, you have to leave the auditorium, cross the hallway in the lobby and go down to the women's bathroom. So that doorway he saw a in what he described was a woman in white. And he even was embarrassed to say that because that's like, you know, really cliche. But he saw the same thing that I had seen in my head. And so that seemed to be pretty, you know, like a confirmation. And then later we brought in a um, psychic medium and her name is June Hearn. And she, we didn't tell her anything either. And we brought her around. She, she felt several ghosts, but we brought her down to the woman's bathroom and she's like, wow, there's a woman crying here, and she's really, really suffering, and she's crying for her mother, and I feel like there was a suicide. And then, <laughs> it, it does. the story doesn't end. We wrapped up our filming, and then we actually showed that 
in the theater itself because the director of photography on our team, he is an actual feature film filmmaker and he has a kind of a Filipino vampire movie called Vampiraya and so we set it up so that he would show his movie at the theater and before that we showed The Haunted Bay. So the theater was filled, we showed our video and as you know when people watch this video some people actually came up to me afterwards and said we didn't know you were going to show this but things were happening to us one woman said that she felt like something was stabbing her in the back um and some some other woman who didn't know this first woman also said she felt a stabbing feeling in her back as she's going down the stairs as we're standing at the end of our showing we're all standing on stage for a Q&A and suddenly the investigator because there's a balcony the investigator shouts somebody just walked across the balcony upstairs while the audience is down listening to us speak so the night of the screening it seemed things were happening to people and so that was pretty you know <laughs> kind of like astonishing event for us and then after that Well, we basically thought, okay, well, that was the end. You know, that's we, sh- we showed our we filmed there, we showed it. But um, I was home. This was maybe two weeks after the screening. I was home. I was sitting at my living in my dining room um, table, rather, and I was just sitting there at night meditating. And my back behind me is the doorway to my kitchen. So I'm sitting there meditating, and I'm not thinking about anything paranormal. I'm thinking about just mundane life problems. And suddenly I get this feeling that the woman from the theater walked right through the doorway and was standing behind me. And all of the hair on the back of my neck and you know stood up and I jumped up and I quickly ran to the living room couch and I called the my director of photography and I'm like, "Oh my god, I think she's here. I think she followed me." And he says to me, "Do you think it's all in your head?" And I said, "Well, uh, I don't know. I just know I feel this very strongly right now." And as I'm sitting on my living room couch, I feel her walking towards me and reaching out to touch me. And I shrink back and I'm and I'm basically saying out loud, "You can't be here. You can't be here." And this basically went on for about two hours, from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. I felt she was there in my in my place. And again, this is not something I'm seeing with my eyes. It's it's all in my mind's eye and and feeling. So after she was gone, I I was like, you know, the next day I was like, I don't know, maybe it was all in my head. But then I get this text from a friend of mine, and she didn't know what I had gone through the night before. I didn't tell her anything. And she said, "Wow, last night, you know, in the middle of the night, she around 2 a.m. or so, she went to the bathroom." And she says, "While I was in the bathroom, I felt like that female ghost was in my bathroom." And she said, "Then I ran to bed, and I and I covered my face with the blanket, and I looked back up, and I swore I turned the bathroom light off, and it was on again." And so I literally dropped the phone when I saw her text message because I was about to dismiss it as, "Okay, maybe I was just tripping. I was just imagining things." But the timeline was like, wait a minute, she left my place about 1 a.m. And then about an hour or so later, she's at my friend's house. So, and then it doesn't end there.
um, I try to find ways to raise money for our videos because I don't, you know, actually make any money from these. So I organized a ghost tour of several locations in near the Chinatown area in San Francisco, and I included the Great Star Theater. I'm organizing this ghost tour, and as part of the ghost tour, I'm going to talk about the history. Um, and so I researched the history of Chinatown in San Francisco back in the 1800s, and I got this book called The Barbary Coast, which is, you know, what the, this area of, of San Francisco used to be called. It's like a huge red light district back in the day. It was called The Barbary Coast, and I read it, and there was a section about Chinatown, and it talks about the Chinatown sex slaves. And it mentions that girls as young as 12 were trafficked from China to be sex slaves in Chinatown back in the day. And um, when they were so abused to the point where they were physically too ill or mentally too ill to continue, they would be taken to what was called the hospital, but it wasn't really a hospital. It was basically there was an alley. And off of the alley were these doors, and the women would be taken through these doors into rooms where they would be left on a plank with a rice mat to cover themselves and I think a bowl of water, a bowl of rice, and an oil lamp. And they would be locked in there until they died. And so this book, which was written in the 1920s, said that one of the alleys is called Cooper Alley. So I, you know, go on research. I'm like, wonder where Cooper Alley is, if it still even exists in San Francisco. And so I look up Cooper Alley and I do a Google Street View and I find Cooper Alley, and I rotate the image, and it's right across the street from the Great Star Theater. I was really <laughs> shocked when I saw that. What are the odds of me finding this, right? What's interesting is when the medium went there, we went down to the basement, and she said, I feel like there was a tunnel here before where the people were smuggled through or something. There isn't anything now. We didn't find anything. But that's like right across the street from that alley. Anyway, so I find that out. It's shocking. And then I start taking tours through. And this is scary for me even because first, you know, the spirit may have followed me home. So I have to go into this theater by myself. The manager is very generous. He let me just have access to it without him being there. So I had to turn off the lights and close the doors before I brought the guests in. And the first time, I, first or second time, I can't remember which tour, I brought people in. Um, one guy said that he was um, shoved in the auditorium. And for some reason, we didn't really pay a whole lot of attention to that. We were like, oh, yeah, whatever. Some other people said they thought they saw figures, like shadow figures. One woman said she saw a woman in that woman in a corner. And anyway, we end the tour, and then later, I'm told by that guy who was shoved, he said, you know, after that ghost tour, my dog will not come near me. My dog is usually very, um, you know, happy to see me, and he will not, he'll cower in fear in his cage. And finally, the wife, his wife came along on the tour, too, basically said, whoever is in here who followed us, get out. You are not allowed to be here. And then after that, apparently, the dog went back to normal. And then another a friend of mine, a woman, she said that when she went home after taking my tour, that in the middle of the night, this is the same woman who felt the ghost in her bathroom too, but she also came on a tour, a ghost tour. 
She said something was knocking on the wall and scratching on the wall above her head after taking my ghost tour. So, yeah, things were getting a little weird. And then it gets weirder. No joke. Our call cut out at that point. This actually happens a lot when I have people telling me their stories. I take another tour in, and this time there were two people leading the tour. It was me and my cameraman, Cody. And June Ahern, the psychic medium who we film, she came on the tour with her friend. I'll just call her Kay. I don't know if she wants her real name to be known. I'll call her Kay. And Kay is this middle-aged white lady. And so I bring a group into the auditorium, and Cody brings another group, June, her friend Kay, and a couple of other people down to the women's bathroom. While I'm in the auditorium, we all hear someone speak, or, or a woman, like yelling Chinese. Sounds like a southern dialect, like Cantonese or something related to Cantonese in the lobby. And we all turn our heads, and I showed my flashlight there, and there was nobody there. And I thought, okay, well, maybe someone out on the street yelling in Chinese that bounced into the room, right? Because I know nobody in our group can speak Chinese except me. And so suddenly I, 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 one person from downstairs in the women's bathroom comes to me, and she's like, Kay is really upset. And I look outside, and June is trying to comfort her. And apparently while they were down in the women's bathroom, Kay runs out of the bathroom and starts speaking like something that sounds like Chinese. And this is a white middle-aged lady who's never taken Chinese class before. She's saying something that sounds like Chinese. My cameraman recorded it, actually, her audio. So she said she felt like a spirit was trying to jump into her body, and she had to run out of the woman's bathroom and get it out of her. And that was the time when she was saying something that sounded like Chinese, and I've been listening to it, and it doesn't even sound like modern-day Cantonese. It sounds like either some other dialect from some small town or something. It sounds like southern coastal dialect to me, or some dialect from a long time ago. Somewhere around that time, June Ahern, the psychic medium who's been doing this for like decades and who's really confident around ghosts, something slaps her across the head and punches her between the shoulder blades. The energy in this place is getting stronger and stronger to the point where people are being touched, people are being, I don't know, maybe what you call possessed or whatever. So it got to the point where I was like, I don't even know if it's safe for me to bring people in here because I did not count on, I did not expect that. It ends there. Yeah, it, the theater closed. I was not lo- not able to bring any more tours through there. And it's still closed. You know, I started out in quotes believing in ghosts. And what I mean by in quotes is I thought it was fun and cool. But there's some deep inside I was still unsure. But this, along with some other things that have happened in our other, you know, film shoots, definitely made me think, oh, my God, this this is real. For me personally, that was probably the most intense experience I had. Other people have had more intense experience on other investigations. And this is interesting because it seems like it's almost like they choose who they want to reach out to. This spirit seems incredibly lonely and lost. We are often so caught up in the terrifying elements of these types of tales that we forget that they were once living people too. And sometimes all these spirits want is for someone to acknowledge them. This spirit followed people home, tried to communicate through possession, and even physically attacked. 
She is clearly angry and confused. But I believe that she chose Ying. She wanted Ying to know her story so that she could share it. And in doing so, maybe she wouldn't be so alone anymore. So I remember the first time I heard Ying's story, I was absolutely blown away by how many people were affected by this mysterious woman. It seemed like she wanted something but couldn't get her message across. And a few weeks ago from me recording this, I also encountered a mysterious woman. Now, I usually have pretty vivid dreams, and this one started out pretty nonsensical. And I remember I was chasing a bunch of puppies into my grandparents' house. Usually in dreams, locations look different, but it looked exactly as it does today. I walked down the hall and into the bathroom, and that's when everything changed. It no longer looked like my grandparents' bathroom. The details were fuzzy, but I got the impression of sand, palm trees, dark concrete walls, and the strong feeling that something very bad had just happened. I walked around the room and saw what appeared to be a woman, face down on the ground, with her long black hair spilled out onto the floor. I suddenly got incredibly scared. I kept thinking, I don't want to see her. I don't want to know what happened. I don't want to see her. Please don't show me what happened. I tried to find my way out of the bathroom, but couldn't get out. I woke up at that moment. And when I did, I heard a woman's voice humming a somber melody right above me. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. I thought I might have still been dreaming, but I was definitely awake. My heart was pounding so loudly. It was definitely not sleep paralysis because I was able to move. I was just way too afraid to. I didn't want whatever was in my room to know that I was awake. I listened quietly until it stopped. I just laid there until morning. I have had small supernatural things happen throughout my life, but this was the first experience that truly scared the crap out of me. I texted all of my psychic and intuitive friends to see what they thought happened. One theory is that this woman with long black hair was showing me the moment of her death, and the singing that I heard was one of my guides protecting me as I was being presented with this image. When it was happening in the moment, it was absolutely horrifying. But as time passed, I realized it was actually a blessing in a way, an honor even. This spirit trusted me enough to share such an intimate moment with me. She wasn't trying to hurt me. She was the one hurting. And it made me think of Ying's story and how that woman went through so much pain. So now... I've been trying to reconnect with that woman in hopes that she would come through again and show me how I can help her. So far, no luck, but I'm going to keep trying. Thanks for joining me today. Stories with Sapphire will return with a brand new season after a brief break. 
Have you ever had a life-changing dream? Let me know at storieswithsapphire at gmail.com. If you like what you heard and would like to support this independently run show, consider becoming a member of my Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash storieswithsapphire to learn more. And don't forget to subscribe to youtube.com slash sapphiresandalo where I post animated spooky stories and more. Salamat and good night. Stories with Sapphire is created and produced by me, Sapphire Sandalo. Music written by Sapphire Sandalo. For more information on this episode, visit storieswithsapphire.com.